0: To, uh, great to be able to share God's word. let's just uh, let's just pause for a moment and ask him to speak to our hearts today. Father thank you. We've sung it today. you're a good good father and Lord there are a lot of days it doesn't look like it but your plans are perfect for us and I thank you for that. And so, Lord, today as we come to share your word, I pray that these these humble words, they're certainly mortal words spoken from a, a very flawed vessel. I pray that in the speaking and in the sharing, let this little bit offered to you, placed in your hands, be multiplied. And become a miracle of provision for hungry hearts in this room this morning. Take what I offer, Lord, and make it sufficient to meet the need. And let there be left over because of your ability to take a little bit and make it much. And so, Lord, we offer these moments to you. We pray that you'd speak to all of our hearts today. We trust you with this, Lord. In Jesus' name. Amen. I'm going to read from Luke 15 in just a moment if you want to turn there or find it on your device. Uh, and uh, I'll be reading from there in just a moment. And I'm very uh, excited to be able to share uh, this morning this message uh, and from this passage. Luke 15 is, you might know, or if not, it is, uh, there are three parables there, three stories that Jesus told in response to, uh, to some Pharisees and some comments that they had made, and Jesus responds to them. And this passage, although not theological, it's, it's parables. We, we, uh, we don't build theology on parables. We don't build our doctrine on parables. Nevertheless, It's really my favorite story, my favorite chapter, because it talks about how the Father feels about lost things. And what I hope in our moments together this morning is that we will come to understand that grace truly is amazing. And that because of grace, we in this room today and those joining us online, we share a journey, we share a hope, and we share an experience that is like none other. I know that to be born is an incredible thing. Now... I don't, and I would, I would uh, guess that none of us in the room have any memory of our physical birth, but it happened, and it was, it was, uh, it was intense. I don't know the story around your birth. Uh, the, the closest thing that I've come to that is being in the room while our two sons were being born. And I wasn't sure I was going to survive either of those. <laughs> as tough as I am. Huh. It's an incredible experience, but I don't remember it all. And it, I, I find it fascinating, amazing, and, and, and incredible that when trying to describe what it's like to enter the kingdom of God, to begin to become part of the family of God the analogy that's used that Jesus used is this analogy of birth and he said you must be born again born the second time (laughs) that's incredible that's incredibly intense and although we don't have any physical memory of it what do we do every year every year it comes around we we in some way most of us most often we celebrate a birthday it is a milestone it is a marker it is intense and to experience a new birth is an absolutely life changing birth was life giving the second the new birth the being born again is life changing, and it alters completely alters the course and the direction of our life. The message that I'm sharing with you this morning uh, flows out of some of uh, the teaching of Tim Keller. If you've never heard of Tim Keller, Tim Keller is an author. Uh, he uh, was a pastor. And he wrote a book called The Prodigal God. And some of what I'm sharing kind of flows out of, I read that book some years ago, spoke deeply to my heart, and I wanted to share with you. If you want to read more about this subject that we're sharing this morning, about grace creating community, uh, I would encourage you to get that book by Tim Keller The prodigal God. So Luke 15, beginning at verse 1. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. So I just want you to get this picture before we read further in the passage. When Jesus taught, and I think this is a a great question for all of us as followers of Christ and those carrying a personal mission, it is a believer's personal mission, go into the world and make disciples. We often think that's the church's mission, that's a pastor's calling, that's out someone else's responsibility, but for every believer, the commission, the great commission is go and make disciples, and if you are a follower of Jesus today, then you carry that responsibility in your life. That's an incredible challenge, and one of the greatest tests of how we're doing with that mission is this very litmus test. In verse 1 it talks about how that tax collectors and sinners, notorious sinners even, often came to listen to Jesus teach. And I have to ask myself this question. Do people that don't know Jesus like to be around me? Or do they avoid me? The people that don't share my faith. That don't believe the same way that I do. That don't... Here we go. That don't vote the way that I do. How are we doing with that crowd? I just look at Jesus' life, and Jesus lived his life in such a way that it attracted tax collectors who had... Uh, A nefarious reputation and notorious sinners. They loved to be around Jesus. And so the Pharisees, the religious, so-called religious of the day, complained that Jesus attracted such a crowd. And they were very upset. And these parables are what Jesus said in response to these muttering, complaining religious people who were so upset that people didn't vote... Here we go again. People that didn't vote like Jesus might vote, or believe like Jesus lived believed, or live like Jesus lived, that they were attracted to Him, that they spent time with Him, that they wanted to hear what He had to say. They came around Him. They didn't have to. They weren't forced to. There was something about his presence, something about his life, his manner of living, that they wanted, they liked to be with him. And so Jesus tells these stories. I think it's important, and it's a message for another time, but I think it's important to note that sinners love to listen to Jesus. They gathered around him on this occasion, and once again, it had brought out the real heart of the Pharisees. They were angry, and they were annoyed that Jesus befriended these people. Brings us to verse 3. So Jesus told them this story, and this is is the first of three. I'm not going to read all three, but I'll read this one. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. So let's talk about lost sheep. When we read about Jesus and sheep, I wonder what the first picture is that comes to your mind. Jesus and sheep, or Jesus and a lamb. For any of us that grew up in church a long, long time ago, I remember in church, and I think I even remember in a few homes of people that I remember being in as a child, it was Jesus and a lamb holding that lamb. Anybody anybody relate, remember to that picture? There might be one still around somewhere. Tremendously popular picture in the day. And that's the picture for many of us. It is Jesus tenderly and gently, softly, lovingly, caringly holding a lamb, a gentle, nice, docile, well-behaved lamb in His arms. But the harsh reality is much different than that serene and tranquil picture. I quote from a pastor who prior to entering ministry was a shepherd. Now before I read, read this, just the disclaimer. These aren't my words. These are, these are his words, okay? And it starts, it, it starts kind of rough. A sheep is a stupid animal. Now that's, Probably not the best way to win friends and influence people, but this is my third time here and I hope we're friends by now and that I maybe earned enough capital to say that. It's not my words, I'm just reading it. I'm one too, so don't feel bad. A sheep is a stupid animal. It loses direction continually in a way that a cat or a dog never does. Even when you find a lost sheep, it rushes to and fro and will not follow you home. When you find it, you must seize it, throw it to the ground, tie its legs together, put it over your shoulders, and carry it home. That is how to save a lost sheep. Bonnie and I are not, technically, not pet people. We're certainly not cat people. Apologies to those that are in the room. Uh, And we aren't really dog people either, except that at 16, our youngest son had to have a dog. We told him, if you want a dog, if you want a $600 puppy, then you'll have to earn money, save money, and you'll have to buy it yourself. And I thought that would be that. (laughs) Except that he immediately went to the local blueberry field, started raking blueberries... And other odd jobs, and saved up 600 bucks and bought a miniature dachshund puppy named Oscar. Oscar Meyer, Oscar. <laughs> Except that Seth was 16. You know where this is going, right? Dogs live more than three years. Seth leaves and Oscar stays. And Oscar lives to be twelve. But a dog, you can you can get a dog to kind of follow you along. Come with me. Just go where I'm going. even with a cat to a maybe a lesser degree. Uh, what's the saying? Uh, Dogs have owners, cats have staff. Um, you know, cats, cats are a little that way, uh, but, but a sheep is entirely different. It has to be seized, put to the ground. Uh, it has to be, you know, it's legs tied up and, and carried home. The scriptures say, Isaiah 53, 6, we all like sheep have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way. The scripture doesn't say we all like a cat or a dog or some other animal. And why, why sheep? I think there's some instruction for us there. We all like sheep have gone astray and have turned to our own way when Jesus tells the parable of the lost sheep he speaks to the truth that the sheep that every sheep this sheep in particular is utterly lost and apart from the shepherd it will not be rescued the sheep does not assist the shepherd in fact the sheep even resists its own rescue how many of us can remember Jesus calling to us, and, uh, and us resisting, running, fighting, avoiding. It's the story of lost sheep. Sheep even resist their own rescue. In order to be found, we must come face to face with the truth that we are lost. It's the wonderful thing about Jesus' ministry. To these notorious sinners, one thing they knew, and I have found in my experience, you rarely have to tell a lost person that they're lost. Maybe, but rarely. And usually, if you have to try to explain to someone their lostness, it's to a religious person. Someone who feels safe in their religion, their tradition, that they're, they're giving of money, they're being a good person, they're going to church, they are filling the blank of whatever it is they put their trust in, that that's earning them, those people. And, and that's, that's the Pharisee of the day. The religious people who, who were as lost as anyone but didn't know it. Lost people, you rarely have to tell someone that's broken and and hear this this morning in our ministry to those who are lost. You rarely have to tell a broken person you're broken. They know it. And they need someone to give them hope. And hope is what we have in abundance as followers of Jesus So in order to be found, we come face to face with the truth that we are lost. Not a little lost, and not partially lost, but completely lost. And apart from grace, and apart from a Savior, we will not be saved. Amen? Apart from the grace of God... We will not be rescued. We will not be found. We cannot be saved except that there is one who leaves the 99 to find the one. And thank God for such love. Psalm 51 and 5 Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. That's the story of our lives. That's the story of us, lost, without Christ, without hope. You see, a sheep doesn't need guidance. It needs rescue. It doesn't need assistance. It needs a Savior. So let's talk about the part of the story where the shepherd leaves the 99. The shepherd knows the lost sheep will not save itself. He knows that because he knows sheep well. As a shepherd would. And he knows that that sheep is incapable. It is unable to save itself. It is not going to wander home. It must be found. It is not going to find its way. It is not going to figure it out. It is not going to do it on its own. That lost sheep needs someone. To love it enough to leave others to go find it. And these muttering Pharisees must have lost their mind when Jesus says the shepherd would prefer the rescue of one lost sheep than the company of 99 self-righteous Pharisees trapped and bound in their tradition and religion that are completely safe and holy in their, own lo- in their own eyes. Jesus says, I choose not the safety of that 99. I choose the journey and the effort. What would become the sacrifice that will be required To find that one lost sheep. And my friend, that is truly the amazing part of grace. You likely sing it here from time to time amazing grace. How sweet the sound! I don't know of any more apt words that have ever been written, truly inspired amazing grace. And it is. Because grace seeks the broken. It seeks the outcast. It seeks the rejected. I find it amazing that Jesus not only seeks us out, but He wants relationship with us. You see, this here today, right here in this room, what we are is a community like no other. It is a community that is created by the grace of God. Now, there are dozens of communities, but I would contend there is none like this community. Probably in Bathurst, surely, probably not far from here, there's a community of people, and you know what draws them together? They are loyal and they love to be together. Mm -hmm. Anybody here drive a motorcycle? A few of you. I won't ask you if you're part of a motorcycle club. You might be. But they're, they're a community. They have jackets, and they they get together, they ride together. I won't go into the list of things that maybe they do together, but, and probably not, yes. I, I understand, I'm stereotyping, I understand. that. But it's community, and there is an attraction to that, community. There are others that quilt. They love to get together. My wife's a quilter. She, uh, when we were pastoring at uh, Waypoint in Quispamsis, they would have every now and then they would have a Saturday that take over the sanctuary, empty it out, bring tables in, and I couldn't I couldn't fathom it. They would drive miles. They would lug totes and totes and totes. A van full of totes. Lug them in. Spend all day. And have the best day of their life. (laughs) Quilting. You know what it was? You know what brought them together? Community. Community. I contend. that's, That's what we are. Here in this room. And you know what brings us together? Listen, in this room, uh, there are all walks of life. Wow, if everybody could get up and tell their story. <laughs> if everybody could get up and talk about their favorite food. or If everybody could get up and talk about what keeps them awake at night with excitement. But you know why we're here today? You know have brought us here today? The grace of God made this community. And I would contend that this is by far the greatest community and that there is no other community that even compares. Because this community is a community of those who have been born a second time. If you're here this morning and don't know Jesus, maybe you're here and you say, well, that's never happened to me. Well, I would contend that there's something about the attraction to that that maybe has brought you here. We are here because of the grace of God because we have been born imagine the second time not just once but born again and the scripture says in Luke 19:10 the son of man has come to seek and to save those who are lost you see in other religions you're saved by keeping the rules observing the rituals but that is not the gospel jesus came to seek and to rescue to save. Let me remind you this morning, if you had a thousand lifetimes, you could never be good enough. For those you for those of you struggling with a past that's that's checkered with a with with a with a load of maybe guilt in your in your life because of a past life that and you and you, and you wonder maybe you're here without a personal relationship with Jesus and you're thinking I've got way too much baggage. I love being in, in a room like this because I feel hopeful and I feel love, and, but, but, my, but I could never do that. And I would tell you today, I would remind you today that if you had a thousand lifetimes, you could never be good enough. Maybe you're a millionaire here today. I want to remind you that no matter how much money you give, money doesn't buy you entrance to the kingdom of God. Every effort of the flesh will fall far short. You can't earn it. You can't buy it. You could never be good enough. And like I said, if you had a thousand lifetimes, you could never rack up enough points with God because God is not impressed God's not seeking that in fact we understand from the parable and from many other scriptures the story of the gospel is a gospel of grace It is a gospel of rescue. It is a gospel of salvation. Why do we refer to it as being saved? Because that's what it is. We are rescued. We are saved. We are brought from death to life. We are snatched, as it were, from the fire. Amen? We are rescued. Over the side of the ship comes the arm of a loving Savior... To pull us from certain death. That's what makes this community amazing. Amazing. I want to encourage you. Embrace this community. Remember when you shake hands with someone and, and, and you come into church. Listen. We all We all carry our own baggage, right? We all have our story. We all have our faults. Can we just... Can we just look beyond that? Can we just set that aside and know that we have our own also and maybe more? Wasn't quite as strong an amen to that. but (laughs) We all have our own. Could we just... That's what I said when I opened this morning and I said, what I miss is this. I know you aren't perfect and I know you know that I'm not perfect if you had two minutes with my wife she's not here today (laughs) maybe less than two minutes she could tell you some stories those who are closest to us right know us best they know right so let's quit pretending lastly let's talk about the love of a shepherd why the search why the effort think about what it cost jesus to be the savior to be able to be the shepherd who would go and find the lost sheep why the broken body Why the shed blood? Why the cross? Because not only are we utterly lost, we are supremely loved. What does the probably most famous scripture in history say? For God so loved. Love. It is a passionate love for you and for me that sent Jesus to the cross so that we could be rescued and found. And that is an amazing story, and it's why we sing Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound. That same shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep, that's what a shepherd does, abandons their own safety, abandons their own comfort, doesn't even spare their own life for the sake of the one that is lost willingly puts themselves at risk for the sake of finding what is lost. That same shepherd gathers us into an amazing community of people who apart from grace would never gather. Tim Keller defines community as a group of individuals who have been bonded into a body through an intense, common experience. It's a fantastic definition. Motorcycle people feel an affinity because I, though never have owned a motorcycle, only drove one briefly when I was a teenager. When I watched them drive by, I see them with and I see sometimes the long string of them. And I see them sitting there and I hear that, hmm. Yes, I don't know. Something kind of goes off inside me. If I had a, I often say if I had a dozen lives, I might be part of a motorcycle group in one of them. You people with bald heads, they accept, you know, into, you know. I know I looked at you, but we understand. There's an intensity to that. Listen, I don't get the intensity of a quilt gathering. But probably a quilter could tell me about how that makes them feel. Part of a community. I contend this morning, there is nothing, nothing as intense. Thank you, Jesus. Nothing as life-changing and life-giving as the experience that we share in the room today. To go from lost to found. know this is old fashioned. But I'll say it anywhere, anyway. To go from hell. To heaven. Is our eternity. There's nothing more intense. To go from. A slave. In bondage. Completely. Captive. To have all of that bondage. Slip away, and to be free—that's what brings this diverse group of people together. Listen, uh, back in 1989 and 1990, getting to be a long time ago now, but I remember it like it was yesterday. Had two opportunities to travel to the country of to the uh, continent of Africa, uh, to uh, the nation of Nigeria. We had a Bible school there. And I was able to, I was invited twice to go there and to be at the Bible school to speak at their commencement and do some other speaking and preaching around and so I was there. And I, I, of many things that that did in my heart, what I remember today is how is it that, that a white man from Maine can travel to Nigeria, have other than that we breathe air and have red blood, almost nothing in common, but immediately, immediately find fellowship, friendship. I had the privilege to go to the Dominican Republic. How is it that I who have little in common with them I spent a week in Bustamante, Mexico. And how is it that you can go to a foreign place where you have nothing in common? You you don't even eat the same things. And yet, instantly, there's fellowship, friendship, and love. Why? Because we share an intense, common experience. And it has placed us in a community together amen humor me for a moment while i illustrate this just just one more time one thing that i uh, i've been married to bonnie for 42 years uh some of you know i'm from the state of maine pastored in maine uh for a long time came in 2013 to quispam sis my wife was born and raised in the city of St. John she's a Canadian and uh, so while not Canadian I feel 42 years married to one has should earn me some credibility (laughs) right honorary Honorary, yeah I have my application in for citizenship by the way just hopefully those wheels will turn and I'll get there but uh but one thing I learned quickly about Canadians. Canadians and hockey is a whole different level. So, yeah, I know. Yeah, careful is right, yeah. I, I, I received that warning. But I'm going to go there. How many... How many Toronto Maple Leaf fans do we have in the room? Hey, hey well, yeah, I see. There's a few of you. How many? Uh, how How many Edmonton fans? Ottawa, Vancouver. <laughs> yeah. Oh, is there another one? How many Montreal Canadians? yeah, here we go, here we go, yeah. But let me see how many, oh, let me ask you this, how many Boston Bruins fans in the room? <laughs> Thank you for that good word. Cue the crickets, right? Well, I'll represent Boston Bruins. Yeah, I know. But listen, you know what, for all of you Montreal people here today, You graciously let this Boston Bruin b- fan although maybe you didn't know that and maybe it's different now, I hope not, but but you have Toronto fans and you know <laughs> and you have how is it that how how is it that you let all these different people in? Yeah. One of the greatest problems in the church today is that too often we only want to let people in that look like us. I don't know why, listen, I had no, and I promise you it's not in the notes, but this is the third time I'm going to say it, take it for what it's worth. That vote like us, we don't think they can be part of us. Too often we have gatekeepers that want to pick and choose who gets in. But the grace of God lets us all in. Amen? Amen? I hope you really believe that. I hope you deep down believe that because there's There's a community full of people that don't look, maybe don't look, don't act, don't vote. Don't have the same, whatever it is, fill in the blank. They maybe don't even like quilting. But they need Jesus. And you carry within you the hope of the gospel. Are you ready? Are you willing? Are you ready and willing to open the gate? Are you okay with Jesus leaving the 99, going and finding the one lost sheep? What if they're a Boston Bruin fan? We need to be okay with that. And I've chosen maybe a a facetious example. We wouldn't ever likely exclude someone based on that. But the underlying truth is that we often, in different ways, kind of keep at arm's length people who aren't like us. But I would offer to you today remove the gates. Remove, listen, there's only one door, there's only one shepherd. There's only one way, and that way is through Jesus Christ, the Son of God. And so regardless, how in the world have we come together? We gather because of a shared, intense, common experience. Worship team, would you come please and play softly and maybe prepare to lead us in a chorus at close of our service in just a few moments we are sheep who have been saved we gather around a savior we have come because of him and we have come to worship him this is the gospel it is a grace that creates an amazing community and churches built on something other than grace reject or marginalize people that aren't like them I love the analogy that Jesus gave. Jesus didn't, when he talked about us being fishers of men, you remember that? When Jesus said, be fishers of men, Jesus wasn't talking about the fishing that you and I do. When I go fishing, don't play with the mics, uh, it's this kind of fishing. and maybe mm, I got one it's, it's this kind of fishing it's not the kind of fishing Jesus did it's not the kind of fishing Jesus knew or was talking about when he talked to them about fishing they didn't have in their mind at all this one lure certain look one bait this is how we fish no it was what it was it was a school and maybe they looked but I think the message is maybe it wasn't at times either and maybe in there were all different kinds of I think it's just the analogy of this broad net fishing Jesus told another parable too often we in the church we feel like we have the calling to clean fish. Jesus said, don't worry about fish that don't look like the others. What if it's a fish we're not after? What if it's not a fish we like? Jesus said, just just, just be fishers of men. He told the story, the parable about sowing a field. And, and in, the, in the parable, in the story, You know, some wanted to go into the field and weed it for him. Let us pull out the tares. Jesus said, please, just leave it alone. Let the tares and the wheat grow together. And let the Father, who understands these things, figure that all out. I have a feeling in my weeding the garden for Jesus I'd likely pull out young shoots that had a future and had hope and had prospect and potential but because they didn't look like everything else I weeded them and thought they were to be thrown away Jesus said let them grow together In the end, the judge will weed out the tares and the wheat. He'll do a much better job. These three stories are meaningful. They are especially meaningful to me to Bonnie and I some of you will relate to this today and I have I have good news to tell you if you are if you are the parent of a lost son you're thankful for a parable and a story about a dad who stands on a porch with love and waits and hopes and believes. I wish I had another hour to talk about it. Who kills the fatted calf? I don't know how it'll be and I don't know when, and I pray it's in our lifetime, but I leave that with God. Bond and I live with hope for a lost son. Pray if that lost son walks into a church someday. That they'll give that young shoot a chance to grow. Because when he comes in, he's going to be addicted. It's not going to be pretty. But we have a father. We have a shepherd. Huh? Who leaves the 99 to find the one lost. It's called grace. So if you're the parent of a lost child today, be hopeful. He loves them even more than you do. No, you know it's hard for us to comprehend. He loves them more than we do. Let's bow our heads together. Father, thank you for amazing love. Thank you for grace. Thank you, Lord, for mercy. Thank you, Father, that you love us like you do. Lord I pray you'd speak deeply today I pray you'd speak God to to we as church people that we would hear your voice calling us to to not be gatekeepers Lord to not try to do God's work for him and weed the field Lord help us to lay that down help us to to relinquish that. Help us to look beyond the fault and see the need. Let us not care about the details of life. Let us just understand that broken people need lost people. Lost sheep need to be found, rescued, saved, redeemed. Lord, may we be agents of that. May we care about that. May we be passionate about that. That people find Jesus and yes, they need to grow. And yes, they need to be set free. And yes, to all of that. And it is the, the great work that you do in people's lives. You've done it to people in this room. Just help us not, as we get further away from our own born again, as we get further away from our own second birth, sometimes we forget what it was like in our own journey. Remind us, I pray today, You help Evangel Bathurst, Lord, just continue its journey of growing and becoming, being used in this community to just share the gospel. And I pray for someone in the room who needs grace. Maybe there's a lost son in the room today. Maybe there's a lost daughter in the room today. I pray for them, Lord. I pray that you'll help them to understand and know how much you passionately love them, care about them. You're ready right now, this morning, to look beyond every fault and just receive them. No questions asked. Receive them. If we are willing to humble ourselves, Lord, and run to you. There's a father on a porch waiting as it were with the light on ready to receive us so speak to us Lord I pray your heads are bowed please just for a moment Just, just for a moment if you're here today and you need grace I want you to know there's grace in this room today for you come to Jesus. And I pray that before you walk out of this room that maybe you'd seek out myself or Pastor Jim or maybe somebody that you know in this building. And just tell them I I need Jesus. In fact we're going to sing a chorus and, and, and if you wanted to come forward and tell me that in person I'd be honored. And I'd I'd love to pray with you about God's grace in your life and I'd invite you to do that Jesus loves you and and believe it or not I think I'm here and you're here and I said what I said partly because you needed to hear about God's love for you and God's grace this is not Tim Shaw speaking to you it is God Almighty with a message for you today that he loves you and cares about you and I encourage you to open your heart and for the rest today What's the Holy Spirit saying to you about About opening wide the gate I understand narrow is the way I understand that But it's an open door It's an open door And what's the Holy Spirit speaking to you about Tradition, about attitudes about relationships, about winning the lost what's the Holy Spirit saying? So as we just sing a chorus in closing and then Pastor Jim will take the service. maybe you could just let the Holy Spirit speak to you about that would you let's sing together and let the Holy Spirit
1: you do his work Good you, good to you are to you are to you are. came today? Aren't
2: you glad this was not Tim McGraw? Thank you, Pastor, for being here with us. The message was profound. I've often felt like a lost sheep until God reached out for me in my 40s. He was there and I didn't see him. I don't think he wanted to introduce himself to me at that point I needed to seek him I needed to know who this was working in my life and he waited behind closed doors until he knew I was ready then he opened the doors and it was I he said, it was I and if you need that feeling if you need that spirit in your heart come up and join Pastor and I and open your soul to the Lord and tell him You are here for him, and we'd be more than happy to pray for you. I hope the hurricane wasn't too strong for you. I hope you trusted in the Lord this week, and I hope you trust in the Lord next week, and I hope your heart is for the Lord. Tim McGraw has nothing on this man. The words that came out of this man's mouth were from the Holy Spirit, and he's opened my heart To get out there more to understand what the great commission is for me join us in that so as we go our separate ways the floor is open join us here and welcome the lord into your heart for the first time for the 21st time for the 212th time invite him into our heart so have a great day Enjoy the rest of the day, Mondays tomorrow, and I'm still having a hard time with the Toronto Maple Leaf fans, but I'll get over that. Have a great day.